How's it, Internet? And welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and there are no points. Greetings, Al. Hello, Mr. Modlin. How are you? I'm very well. Another week, yeah. another day, Jeez. and another oh. podcast. Yeah, I've been I've been fighting uh, wasp nets uh, nests outside my flat today. Oh, don't even joke. I've got one in my post box. Yeah, it's the second time now. I destroyed them, and then they came back for more. Oh no! Speaking about the migratory patterns of wasps, if there is such a thing, uh, today's show is really going to concentrate on the real, on the big question. Migration and how do you get to Office 365? We've had an episode with uh, Mr. Miyagi, also known as Mr. Migration, Johan Mayberg in the past, talking about uh, his experiences and where he sees things going. And the topic's been on everyone's lips. And they've been asking the questions, how do we migrate? Where do we migrate to? What do we migrate to? Also with uh, certain SharePoint versions coming to an end uh, along the end of life stuff around support. People are strongly looking at moving to the cloud. How, how are you finding it, Rod? Um, it, it is a challenge always. It, it does depend sort of where you are, where, where the client's environment is, what version it's running on, how successful it is. If, if it's not being used and is full of junk data, often it's better to just rebuild in a new environment. Um, but if there is a lot of data in, then migration is, it's a complex problem. Um, and there's a lot that goes into it. So we're going to get into a lot of those considerations today. Yeah, I've seen quite a few posts, uh, you know, the whole concept of inbound marketing, Avpoint's got their own little how-to guide, Sharegate's got how-to guides, everyone else has got how-to guides. And I think I'd really like to unpack that sort of thing before before we start looking at 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 what we term as a deep dive segment, our first one for the year, um, without having a guest on, because uh, there's a lot of people that are not interested in listening to other people ramble on. They just want to listen to the two of us, and we want to talk some uh, geeky, techy stuff, so we're going to jump into that. So typically, Rod, uh, you've had some experience in, in migrating uh, the last year or two. Yeah. Um, where, where would you normally start? I mean, what, what's your process? Well, um, the first thing you have to decide is um, you need to look at both sides of it. So you need to see what you're migrating from and then what you're migrating to. So you need to do an audit of the current system and figure out what it is that you've got that you're trying to migrate and then decide what you're migrating to because that's not a clear-cut answer either. We've got a bunch of options there. Which one do you want to look at first? Do you still think people are migrating to SharePoint on-prem. I think that would that would be the primary question. I, I think most of this podcast today is going to be about moving stuff to the cloud because uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. It's, it's right. Where, where are you going to go to? Are you going from 2010 to 2013 or are you going from 2013 to 2016? Um, what, what are you actually doing? Are you going to go from 2007, which will be end of life by the end of this year, straight to the cloud? Uh, most of the products out there support all of those scenarios. So, so really, or are you going to go hybrid? I mean, those those are are the questions. So, yeah. what what is exactly the migration strategy that that you're going to take, um, specifically around where you're going from and where you're going to? Yeah. So, I, I suppose speaking, that's yeah. So, speaking as to where you're going to, obviously, then we've we've got a couple different ideas. We're moving either everything into the cloud, we're moving it to 
another on-prem instance, whether that's hosted somewhere else maybe, um, or just upping a version? And then are you doing a hybrid setup where you're doing a bit of each? Yeah, but do you also consider uh, piecemeal, like you've spelt it in our show notes, not like yeah, I've spelt you, it. You meant like, yeah. Like a, a piece of something, not a piece as in um, the Catholic Pope saying peace. Yeah, what, uh, what you wrote in the show notes looks more like a McDonald's Happy Meal. Oh, right. But yes, piecemeal. So do, do we do bit by bit? Um, then obviously hybrid comes into into the fore. Or do we uh, lock, stock, ship and replace or rip and replace? Uh, where would I, I think most customers would go with, okay, so how much data can we move across and all of those things. But yes, a migration strategy would be the the first port of call uh, if you are going um, on-prem to on-prem, really understanding your content and all of those sort of things. It's a different story if you're moving to Office 365. Yeah. You um, still need to do that initial audit of what is it that I have here that I'm trying to migrate once you've decided you're going to the cloud, you still need to know these are the pieces I have and how much of this will actually move across, how much of it has an actual like-for-like -like relationship with the cloud. Because we have to remember when we're dealing with SharePoint, um, the, the tool set is not exactly the same on both sides. There are some oh, things that um, on-prem does that... The cloud doesn't, and there's some things that the cloud does that the on-prem doesn't. So understanding exactly what it is you have locally that you're wanting to migrate and, and making sure that all of that will potentially move is, is, is a big deal. Yeah, that forms all part of the planning stage, I suppose. So you may need to make a decision, okay, are we going to migrate? Yes, or what are we migrating to? And yeah. once that decision is made, we start looking at planning. So governance is, 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 is probably a big, big number for people to hit. Um, old versus new, like you mentioned. So, so what's capabilities? Uh, are we adding functionality or retracting functionality or deprecating functionality? Also, training and change management. That's different interface, especially if you're moving from 2010 to 2013, or even from from any on-prem version to the cloud. Completely different user experience, and it's important to make sure that you plan this accordingly. Uh, a lot of companies don't throw money at change management, and then you end up with with a white elephant. Uh, uh, it's a little thing sitting in the corner that does absolutely nothing and no one looks at because no one knows what it's supposed to be. Um, and then also the training side. So how do you upskill your staff? Uh, if you look at Office 365 right now, if you sign up for a tenant right now, you will not be able to download Office 2013. I mean, they're ripping it out. So you have to move uh, with the times if you're going to do that. Also moving to Office 365, uh, there's a monetization component for customers moving to Office 365 in the form of what they call a fast track. So before you decide to spin up a tenant, have a conversation with Microsoft around a fast track adoption program, and they'll actually assist you financially by getting a consulting firm into the organization so that they can actually grab some consulting hours to assist you with the migration. So yes, planning. Um, once that's done, where, where do we move to then, Rod? Yeah, I think maybe I just want to reiterate that um, the planning stages are, I think, arguably the most important in this. Um, everything that's going to come after this is really built on what decisions were made um, and the information you got out of this planning stage. So um, it's we, we've flipped over it quickly because it's maybe not the exciting thing for, for the technical guys. 
um, and we just want to get in and do it. But it's it is imperative that all of that goes uh, that all of that goes smoothly, as well as getting a change management um, plan in place, and even starting the change management and the training that can start well before the technical implementation. Yeah, it is interesting that we tend to equate migration with tech, and tech means IT, and IT means techies. But we don't necessarily equate it with, well, the people that are really being affected by it is the, the end user, the business user. So so we need to take them on a journey when it comes to planning out the strategy around change management and training and governance and all of those things. Yeah. So once that's done, uh, what would be the next step? To, uh, okay, what? well, the next step is we need to decide how it is that we're actually moving this data. Um, Microsoft provides some tools and there are also some third-party tools for anything complicated, um, any large amount of data, I think um, using the third-party tools is really the best way to go. What do you think, Al? Well, it's difficult to say because there's quite a there's, there's there's quite a few tools that do different things at different times for different types of environments. Um, the nice thing is you mentioned something about performing some audits. So there's a lot of tools out there that actually have specific discovery downloads that you can do. I know MetaLogix as a migration expert tool, pull it down, it sniffs your environment. Avpoint has got an e-discovery tool, does the same thing. ShareGate's got a pre-migration check. Um, there's a lot of other tooling. Those are the three enterprise-scale tools that I know of that actually will assist you. So download the free tool, sniffs your network, sniffs your farm, and it starts telling you what, what could possibly work when it comes to just raw data migration. I mean, there are other tools like Hairpoint and uh, Migration was from BitTitan, uh, and those are typically the typical ones that, that you we know of um, in the industry. Um, the big uh, sort of... Uh, UFC type fights would be between Metalogix and Avpoint. Although having said that, Avpoint doesn't sell migration. They don't sell migration. They have a migration tool. Migration tool is probably the most expensive out of the lot um, if you compare it to Metalogix and Sharegate, but they don't sell migration. They've morphed from a migration company into a compliance, a governance company, a management and monitoring company. Yeah, They're not both, interested in... Yeah, both Metalogix and Avpoint um, have migration aspects to them, but they, they do a lot more at the moment. Avpoint, even to a larger extent, they're management like like you say they're management and government tools for um these large farms yeah large farms it's it, and also if you look at the technical components of sharegate versus avpoint versus metalogics on what these tools actually do and how they go about migrating um, content to office 365 specifically um, the tooling is very different which is interesting to note because the approach to how the products function is different. Avpoint agents get deployed, doesn't sit inside a SharePoint and it'll move content. Whereas the other products you actually deploy it inside a SharePoint. I mean ShareGate literally lives inside of SharePoint yeah. and you do the migration that way. Um, Metaverse is obviously gone but Metalogix brought the technology behind Metaverse and Dell also has the Metaverse engine that 
riffs, uh, rips and replaces stuff. So you get what they call insane mode, which um, I don't know what that means when it comes to migrating content. So, so what that does, does that mean the agent stuff runs on threads? Uh, and that's just the product side. And we haven't even begun to unpack what Microsoft actually provides you with when it comes to their types of tooling um, for migrations. And um, we, that's pretty much where we are right now. Yeah. So your preference on product? Um, on, on those ones we've discussed already. Um, it, it, it sort of depends on what you want to do and the scale of what you want to do. They each sort of have their, um, their place. Um, I've used ShareGate quite a lot. It works very well. Uh, it doesn't have the same management capabilities as a Metalogix or an Fpoint. Um, Fpoint, I think, has the best full suite of products. It does the most stuff, um, but it's also the most expensive. Um, yeah, by, by leaps and bounds, mate. By leaps mate. and bounds, By yeah. leaps and bounds. Um, I, looked at, I looked at pricing um, for a client, I think it was, it was about a week or two ago, and they wanted to move one and a half terabytes worth of data. Um, Avpoint came in probably, <laughs> I don't want to lie to you, but at least more than 50% more expensive because they don't sell. They don't, migration's not a thing for them. Um, and completely understand why, because eventually there's going to be no more versions of SharePoint on-prem. Yeah. We're looking at maybe one more left in 2019, but after that, that's your last, last, last. And then you're going to find everyone moving to the cloud. And in 10 years' time, that whole business model is not going to be around. It's gone. Yep. So that and business why, will cease to exist. Yeah, and that's why these guys are all diversifying. Look, I love Avpoint's technology. Um, the way it's built with the agents and how many threads you can run or how many agents you can run is really where the power is because you can just add additional workloads and run them in parallel. Whereas products like Metalogix and ShareGate run on threads within your SharePoint environment. Yeah, so really. it would literally run the thread. Um, there's some calculators online about how long does it take to grab the document out of the content store and how long does it take to upload. And I suppose we'll jump into that a little bit later in the show to talk about where you can find these things and, and what do they actually do. But let's say you have, you're a dev shop and you can go and want to build your own migration tool, which, I mean, Rod, you've seen we've done these things in the past where we built a humming point where we moved content from Hummingbird into SharePoint, and, and that was written by our, our rock star Rocco, and it was an actual tool. And you just buy the buy. Oh, okay, we might have some file share content. Let's build um, that component and add it, add it to the tool. So what if companies want to not purchase the tool because they've got some dev skills and they actually want to build the actual product. They want to build something to do it. I mean, what options are there for people wanting to move to Office 365 specifically around that? Yeah, there are. Microsoft does make these um, the services available. They've got an API. They've got the Office 365 migration API and they've got the O365 uh, import service that you can interact with as well. Um, so if you do have mad coding skills, um, you, you can get hold of that API and you can interact directly with that. I, I like using me personally as a consultant, I like using, uh, existing tools, but if I happen to have a rockstar Rocco on hand, uh, then that sort of thing is, is lacquer. 
Yeah, it's good. I mean, there's there's quite a lot of options. Well, not a lot, but um, there's there's a few options. There's the the import service into Office 365. There's an actual migration API, and then there's also a management shell um, for SharePoint Online where you can actually just pull in uh, your necessary file shares, which is actually quite cool. Uh, what everyone doesn't seem to realize is that the migration path to Office 365 actually goes through Azure, doesn't go straight into, into the Office 365. 365. Yeah. And and, unless the tooling is different, but my understanding is straight to Azure and from Azure across because of the connectivity. Yeah, and I've, I've heard people say that if you are doing these bulk migrations using these sorts of tools, um, it's often a good idea to get that data just into Azure first and then migrate it into O365. And they find that those speeds are a lot better than if you're Much trying to, yeah, if you're trying to do it from your local implementation straight to 0365, it can be very, very slow. But if you push it into Azure first and then from there migrate to 0365, you get much better speeds. Yeah, and it's 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 sort of like a like temp storage while it's moving across. I know Avpoint does it that way, so they've got a service, um, an agent sitting moves it across to Azure and you must remember as you're sitting on the Office 365 backbone, so your connectivity, it's like an express route on steroids. Yeah. Um, moving it across there. I, I'm not too sure what Metalogics or ShareGate does, but I'm assuming it's it's the same process um, to up, up speed across the networks. But also there's thresholding and throttling that actually happens when you migrate content to Office 365 as well. Yeah. Which Do you a lot know of what people those thresholds are, Al? Um, I think well, I might have a, a link. Um, I must actually check if there is a link. My understanding was uh, when you start hitting st- over 50 gigs, you start getting um, some throttling. So that you can average 50 gigs a day um, when you get to that point. So okay. 50 gigs a day. I mean, typically we don't deal with the the really giant – uh, farms, but that's if if you've got a big farm, fifty gigs a day can can put a significant timeline Dent, on your migration. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I look at at content that I've moved before, or actually been asked to have a look at, and um, one of those scary moments where it's a SharePoint twenty ten environment, and they've got a one point seven terabyte content database. Yeah, that and then it be- then it becomes hairy. Yeah, and then it's going to take a long time to upload all that content. Oh, for sure. So, And also, you must remember, when you start looking at moving content and you go, well, okay, we've got we've got 100 meg line fiber, all right? Yeah. But what is the priority setting on that line? So is that line set for um, when it comes to shaping uh, download as preference and upload not as preference? Or, so what or, is it set? Ordinarily, yeah, that's... Ordinarily, that's what you'd get. So you'd have to go and speak to your service provider and say, listen, I'm going to spend the next week uploading. So we're either going to drop another 100 meg line in or I'm going to need you to change the prioritization of um, workloads so that my upstream is large and my downstream is take less uh, preference um, in that regard. Yeah, and that's that's just something everybody needs to be aware of, and you're gonna to have to have that conversation with the ISP and um, yeah. make sure everybody's on the same page as to what's happening. The the other option is to ship a drive to Microsoft. You can do that with too. your content. Yeah, 
Um, th- that you can do, and there's a pricing structure around that. I think it's like two cents per gig or something. I, I can't remember the numbers. But I do know that there is information around all of these things and also thresholding. So if you're going to run 400,000 threads um, because your app is so cool, uh, Microsoft's going to go and throttle your uploads. Uh, Mr. Miyagi, aka Mr. Migration, Johan Mayberg, would have stats on that, but he's not available today to come onto the show to tell us exactly what it is. But he, I can guarantee you, he definitely knows what these stats are yeah. um, for for moving to the cloud. Yeah, and you can have this conversation with Microsoft and with the consulting houses. And um, again, this this is almost sort of part of the planning aspect as well. When you're planning this project, we've got to work out like okay, what speeds are we actually expecting? How long is it actually going to take us to upload this? Yeah. And that's, so a couple of... And that's, yeah. that's also where um, some of the migration tools are quite good because they'll uh, often, they'll also allow you to do deltas. So you can upload the whole bunch and obviously people are still working while that's happening and then you can just do the delta as a last push so you don't have to have the downtime for the eight weeks or whatever it is you need to upload it. Yeah, it's, it's factoring in all of that. So what if the line goes down and those sort of things that people don't tend to take into consideration. Huh? Yeah. I've seen a project plan recently done by, I'm not going to mention who, but looking at the size of the data and are they going to clean the data? Are they not going to clean the data? Let's move one and a half terabytes worth of data to to wherever. Um starting to put actual timelines to say, well, this is the transactions per second throughput. What if the database server goes down or there's a glitch? We'd have to start the migration over or is it those sort of considerations you have to actually try and factor in because there's no way you can say, well, this migration is going to take three weeks, four days and seven hours Yeah. based on our calculations. That's an impossibility. Yeah, and you've got to build that all in. So a couple of things to take into consideration. Once you've decided, A, how we're going to manage and plan all of this, and B, what tooling we're going to use um, when migrating from one version to the other or moving from on-prem to Office 365. A couple of things, Rod. I know you've got a few things listed, yeah? Um, Well, we got to check what the licensing we're doing on on the other side, wherever we're doing it, uh, wherever we migrating to we need to make sure we have the correct licenses to handle all of it yes these are the things that people don't take into consideration so a licensing partner would come in and say hey no let's do a bridging license for your ea and we sell you an e1 and you can move to office 365 great you say fantastic it's like sharepoint hey yes sharepoint online's there and there's a whole bunch of stuff but no one ever goes and the list is exhaustive when it comes to the compatibility plans around okay so if you're running sharepoint on-prem enterprise these are the plans and every they're so granular and a lot of people don't look at it go onto microsoft sites i just want to see where it is Um, if you go to technet they've got an entire sharepoint online service description yeah, and again, the consulting houses can help you with this, and you can have conversations with Microsoft. Like the the licensing, Microsoft licensing is always, I think, more complicated than it has to be, especially once you have an EA and uh, all this sort of stuff. But it's not impossible, and 
there are people who know what they're doing who can help work this all out. Again, though, you need to, before we get to this point, we need to have done a proper audit of exactly what it is we're migrating so we know what functionality is important to have when we're selecting which plan we have. A lot of the times clients don't want to spend the upfront investigation to say, well, this is redundant content. We haven't used this for 12 years. Um, this content gets used once every six months. Um, the wording of that content needs to change. They typically will go and say, okay, well, whatever you have there, can you just move it? Because we don't know what our users use the product for. Yeah. We just know that if it's done, someone complains. Yeah, and that is a way to do it. It's less efficient and... Um less likely to be actually used on the other side, which is worrying. Yeah, some of the stuff that comes uh, straight at the top of my head, um, when people start looking at migrating to Office 365, for one, blob storage does not exist. External blob storage does not exist in Office 365. So you can't go uh, look at file streaming or purchasing a product from the Metrologic stack or the Avpoint stack to externalize your storage because you want to put it on cheaper disks than what's sitting in SQL. So there is no external blob storage for Office 365. Yeah, so which, if you've got which does make sense because that is very much an infrastructure level uh, implementation. And one of the benefits of going into O365 is you don't have to worry about the infrastructure level that's taken care of by Microsoft. Yeah, for sure. I understand that. But, you know, I haven't done any crazy performance benchmarks on a terabyte's worth of topographical images sitting in Office 365. Yeah, me neither. You know, pulling it across the WAN instead of the LAN. So if you've got a 200 meg topographical image of your your house, that area where you stay in, and, and I've seen these images. Um, Department of Transport has them. Yeah, they're they're huge. How long is how long is it going to take to open? Yeah, if and if that is one, if that is not a usual requirement for most businesses, and if it is the case, then again, because we've done this investigation and we know what it is that we're trying to migrate, that's a decision that maybe points us towards a hybrid scenario, where those giant files that um, possibly don't need to be up in the cloud can then be remain in an on-premise environment under a hybrid scenario and uh, yeah and it's available in search and all the nice things up in the cloud but it's hosted locally and you can offload it into a blob store yeah the other interesting one that's always come up is um, being able to email documents into libraries and that doesn't exist in office 365 yeah so you can't email enable a library and kick off a process like we've built so many times before like an insurance company mailing a claim in kicking it off or or submitting a remittance advice and kicking off a process that it, it doesn't exist at all i think there are some third-party products that will give you some similar functionality and i know there's a hack for it which doesn't really work because you're exposing some security um, components to it and the long conversations around it but Yes, if you have any email enabled in libraries, you're going to have to rework um, the way content actually gets in uh, specifically around that. Also, Rod, forms-based authentication for Office 365. Yeah, that's not really a thing. Yeah. That, that, that's, uh, yeah, you're not going to be doing the forms-based authentication. You can do federation uh, yeah, through federation. Office 365, so that's the way you would you would handle something like that. Um, another thing that's not going to translate across very easily is any um, front-end customizations you have, uh, master pages, 
the CSS, um, those probably are not going to transfer across one-to-one into the cloud. So just be aware of that too. Yeah. Well, UX, UI, Microsoft's got its own take on it. Um, they've introduced the modern the modern user experience with list libraries, team sites, and moving whatever custom stuff you have. And we're going to get to the custom bit now, now. But yes, if you've got some theming going on on-prem or you've got a custom master page, um, forget about migrating that across. Yeah. Let's get, let's get it out the way. Um, chances are it's not going to work and I, I wouldn't suggest you thinking that you'll be able to flip a switch and go oh look we've got the same prettiness factor and and frankly that's fine like the office 365 sites look really good um you can mess with the color schemes you can put your logos in um it, it, it is a very neat very clean modern in, uh intranet site so well, the modern sites experience definitely is a, is a game changer when it comes to how you interact and how you interface with SharePoint. Um, the fact that it's carried through into, well, modern team sites, modern lists and modern libraries. Yeah. It's the same feel. Uh, there's nothing you need to really do around that. It's all there. It's great. It's pretty. It's just now going back to the original planning phase on training your users to actually use that interface. So this is where they find things and do it. It's not a bad idea. I wonder, we should actually get Tracy to do a mapping for us because that's what she does, right? She's in the solution information architecture space. To do a mapping from this is where you'd find a library in on-prem SharePoint and this is what it looks like in Office 365. I, I think that we should take that challenge to her to do a mapping chart specifically around that because she runs the training academy um for GT Consult, and I wonder if she's done something like that. Yeah, that would be a very handy thing to get a hold of. So speaking of uh, custom, a lot, yes. of, a lot of environments have a lot of custom code built into it. Um, that is always a headache in migration, and especially when we're migrating to the cloud. Um, the, the amount of access you have to the base infrastructure is severely limited in the cloud, so custom code is going to be an issue. Thankfully, there are some services that uh, can help us out, Tail. Yes, the guys from, you know, and, and I hate giving them kudos um, because, yeah, they're not that. Anyhow, let's just give them kudos. So the team from Rencore built a product called SPCAF, Code Analysis Framework. Um, and it is arguably the best third-party SharePoint tool that's ever been written. Um, that's how amazing it is. And yes, uh, kudos to, to, to Matt and Owen and, and Valdek and, and Tobias and all of them for building the tool. Uh, when I was in Zagreb, they were demoing a, a beta around the, what they call the transformator now. So you could literally take the, so let's talk about SPCAF on its own. You build a WSP and you deploy it. Great, it runs in your environment. Install SPCAF. Take that same WSP, drag it into SPCAF, and it runs through over 900 rules to give you best practice analysis on how the code's written and all of those things. So great. If you're building on-prem, fantastic tool. It will tell you what's wrong with your code, how to fix your code, and what's best practice for your code. Then, with all the other stuff, so you want to port this WSP to the new SharePoint framework, the transformator tool will take that same code and tell you what code to change and how to change it if you're going to the cloud. It's mental. 
Yeah, that's absolutely mental. That is super, super powerful. Uh, mind blown. Uh, there is no better third-party product on the planet right now. Um, coming in close second would be SP Docket from Acceleratio. Very, very, very close second. Nice thing about that is you can actually run it on-prem to get the necessary information about your farm. So when we do that investigation to find what content you have, what you don't have, I mean, that's one of the products that you'd actually utilize yeah. to get that information. Check your sizing, how big's your farm, where's your content databases, where it's stored, what's missing from a patch perspective, how many custom applications you actually have running. Um, they go hand in hand. And the nice thing about it is that SPCAF actually plugs into SPDocket. So you can run it from inside of SPDocket. How epic is that? Man? That is super cool. Yeah, those are so, very good tools that work together. And for anyone that's doing anything custom, I'd strongly suggest you go have a look at the code analysis framework from Renko because nothing touches it. Cool. Um, then what about other third-party products that I might be moving across? Not, ne not necessarily custom uh, implementations that I've done myself, but um, other products that I've got bolted onto SharePoint, stuff like Nintex and K2, for instance. So I know the big guys, Metalogics, Fpoint, and ShareGate all support moving Nintex workflows. Yeah. Out of the box, done. So you can actually do a Nintex rip and replace migration when it comes to versioning as well. Just bear in mind that if you're going from on-prem to on-prem, it's okay. Going from on-prem to the cloud, completely different scenario. Bearing in mind that Nintex in the cloud does not have the same feature set and capabilities as Nintex on-prem. Yeah, it is a definite subset. So what will happen is when those get moved across, it'll put in um, for any actions that you've got in the Nintex workflow, um, it will put in a placeholder. So it'll move as much of it as it can, and then it's up to you or a consultant like me gets the happy job of going through those and figuring out uh, how to work around the function that isn't in uh, the cloud version. Oh, that's the, I think they're only, I haven't heard of any other products that are supported by Avpoint. I know that you can go from different products to SharePoint Online, but I haven't seen any other products outside of Nintex being supported. Mainly, I haven't seen any support for K2. Um, I don't know if there are conversations that are being had between Avpoint, Metalogics, and ShareGate around. Well, if you're running what's called Appet, or I don't, the version of K2 that actually lives inside of SharePoint, um, moving that across, I don't know if it does it. Uh, yeah. I can't think of any other th third-party products. There's well, stuff K2, like... But K2 doesn't have as intricate a tie-in to SharePoint as Nintex does. It, it, it has a lot of integration, but Nintex, up until very recently at least, has lived entirely within SharePoint and does all its work in there. So it, it's yeah, a bit of a different... Uh, with, yeah, with the advent of Nintex Workflow Cloud, I think a lot is changing. I, um, I, I, when we get Stefan Gos from Nintex on the show in the next couple of weeks, I think well, that's one of the questions we're going to ask him. So if a client has Nintex on-prem and they want to move to Office 365, can they migrate the workflow tasks to the workflow cloud it'll be because an interesting question yeah because their models also change it's all subscription based now so you buy per workflow you pay per workflow yeah you're not buying the entire suite of products which um, when you is go actually a lot better than it sounds because they have this idea of the limited action workflow yeah five or less yeah five actions or less and it doesn't count as a workflow that you're paying for which is like 
honestly, the majority of workflows that run within SharePoint will fall like uh, you can, un- under you that could designation pay for, now. Uh, you could pay for one workflow and build, uh, and I know the limitations or the amount of um, limited action workflows you can use with inner workflows actually change as well. So they've increased the actual boundary around how many limited action workflows you can run per workflow, also how many steps per workflow, because I know it was soft capped at, at I think it was 100 or 200, and I know it's moved up now. I actually have to check the latest deck um, that they have on it. So there's, there's, there's definitely some movement in that. Yeah, but um, we will, that uh, we'll chat to him about that then. Yeah. What what else do we have to consider here, Al? So let's run through a couple of quick things. So we know that there's, there's uh, sync rates when you run the import service, when you're importing content. So it's all got to do with speed. You've got to check ingestion speeds so that you can plan that. We've spoken about UI and UX design. There's no way, no easy way to move content across. Um, but what about functionality? Stuff like manage metadata, um, any BDC models that you're running, uh, what it takes to run hybrid when you start looking at, at hybrid. Those sort of things. So what's been built on-prem and how complex is it really to move it across? So we know that you can do term store management inside of uh, SharePoint Online, but it's not necessarily the same like-for-like as it is on-prem. Yeah. Um, The BDC specifically is um, quite an issue. Obviously, BDC runs on the principle that your SharePoint farm is in the same uh, like AD forest as that data that you're connecting to the majority of the time. Once we're moving the SharePoint um, off-site into the cloud, there's uh, quite a large gap there in trust that we need to bridge, and it's done um, differently. <laughs> let, let, me, yeah. let me put it like that. Yeah. These, these are big questions that I don't think we're going to get fully into today. Yeah. But uh, I've actually there, got a... are, there, there are mechanisms in Office 365 that let it... Um, absorb some some of the data from from your local uh, SQL. Yeah, it's, it's it's like configuring a trust. You can even configure a trust between tenants. Um, I've actually got a client. Uh, well, it's actually a friend of mine, and they host multiple tenants, but similar data. So they've got a tenant for. Look at companies that merge. Um, yeah, where there's actually like nine. So you take Sunlum. Sunlum is Suntum. Um, Sunlum Investment Management, Sunlum Sky, MyWay, all of those things. And they all have their own domains. And for the most part, they might have their own tenants. So you can set up a trust between tenants and you can share data, but it still becomes over, really complex. Um, other things that I'd also you also need to take into consideration is when you decide to move to the cloud, there are tool sets that Microsoft provide you that's not available in SharePoint on-prem. So stuff like Groups, Planner, Staff Hub, Power Apps, Flow, Teams. So if you rip and replace and you just move your content straight across, what about the additional functionality that you actually get from Office 365? And going back to what you were saying, on, uh, saying earlier on, when you plan to move to Office 365, are the product sets in that big wagon wheel of Microsoft taken into consideration? So you might have a workflow that performs a specific task on-prem that can actually be catered for in Planner. Yeah, there's a bunch of things that we might have had to build custom previously that are now uh, better solved 
by a bunch of these tools that we have in in Office 365. So doing a that's part again, like as you said, as part of that planning stage, we need to set up here's the functionality we have on prem, here's the tool set we have in Office 365. Let's do a match and see what we can move across, what we have to migrate exactly, what's better done in another tool. Before we actually migrate anything, we know exactly what's going to happen. And we can start that change management process and that training from way back then. So that by the time everything's done, the whole company is on board. They know what to do. They know how to use all these fantastic tools and they're chomping at the bit to get at it. So the other interesting one, uh, specifically around that when it comes to tooling and all of those stuff and moving things across. Um, what do you think about OneDrive? What's your take on OneDrive? Do you like OneDrive? Um, I, I mean, there was a. I think OneDrive is important. Um, it, again, it depends how the business works. It's another tool in the tool belt. Can never be easily dismissed. Yeah, it, it depends what people are using it for. I wouldn't use OneDrive for um, any wide access corporate data. I wouldn't use it for for anything like that at all. Like that needs to be in a managed environment where it can be uh, controlled a bit better. Although OneDrive does have some management tools that they're not as full-fledged as you get using the document management functionality in SharePoint, for example. Have you ever been to a client that says, no, but we've got OneDrive for business. Why can't we just sync our content across? That's horrifying. Yes, very horrifying. Also, OneDrive has sync limitations when it comes to the amount of objects it can actually sync. So I think the last time we checked, we had the conversation with uh, uh, our resident heckler, Mr. Warren Marks, around the sync client being able to only sync 20 or 40,000 objects and nothing more. So if you're migrating 100,000 objects, it's going to hit that limitation and it's going to stop sync syncing. Yeah, now that you can actually that, do... That sync client is not meant for enterprise migration. migrations yeah. it's i have stuff in my my documents folder that i want to migrate to onedrive um so it, it's for your local files it's not for the company shared drive and let's hope we can convince clients of that because you do get those cheap ass clients that um, don't want to pay for migration but they know they've got the sync tool because that's all they see and they go well oh shit man i can sync a library and then sync it back up um, and then they failed dismally. Yeah, well, this is the this is the point of the consultant, right? This is why we can add value because we know what the pitfalls are. We know what needs to happen for a successful implementation. And that's not just a technical successful implementation. It means a successful implementation where people are actually using the end product. Um, and, and we can advise in these things. And at some point you have to say, no, look, that way is not going to work. This is how it's actually supposed to be done, given my expertise in the field. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always good to know. If you don't have a decent consultant, there's a plethora of online resources from Microsoft specifically around um, the feature plans between different SKUs. Also, the limits and boundaries when it comes to storage, because on-prem, we're running on-prem, and we go, well, okay, let's get IT to spin up another line with some more disk space. What if he has to go out and go and buy more storage? 
Um, you have actual boundaries and limitations in the cloud in Office 365. I mean, the boundaries for South African usage, it's just stupid because it's so big. Yeah, um, but you, <laughs> we probably won't even, even look at it too much and go, okay, so um, one terabyte for mailboxes is, that's a lot, eh? <laughs> and we, <laughs> you know, those sort of things, and yeah. they keep on increasing it because disk is actually cheap. And if you look at what people are buying, they're buying storage. So, yes, there are boundaries and limitations. Please make sure that you consider this when you're looking into migrating content. But for the most part, I don't think many companies in South Africa, even tier one companies in South Africa, like banks, will really be, they'll be hard pushed to actually hit those limitations. Yeah. And like you said, Microsoft have all of this information available. They are, they want to move everybody into the cloud. So they're working very hard to make it easy and make it successful. Um, we've spoken about all this um, content that they make available and the fast track programs where you can go to them and they will hook you up with a consultant who can. Yeah, um, they take you through the entire this. onboarding process. I mean, it's usually done um, out of Turkey or some European country and you have the conversation and they take you through it. Let's bear in mind the boundaries and limitations is some of them are hard capped and some of them are soft capped. So you can actually go buy more storage per user if you really wanted to. Yeah. Um, which is always interesting. So let's recap because we've been through quite a few things in, in, in quite a bit of time. So strategy, understand your strategy. Uh, make sure your planning works out well. Yeah. So first, have a look at first. You need to do the investigations as to what I have, and then judging by that, we can decide what the strategy is. Um, whether we're going full bore, whether we're doing a hybrid, whatever that may, case may be, and then we plan for those. We put in the governance and the change management and the training, and then looking at tooling. So, are you going to purchase a tool off the shelf? Or you're going to build your own tool or you're going to use the out-of-the-box tools that uh, ship with Office 365. Yeah. And then just the generic, what to look for. It's like licensing and functionality limitations, um, custom dev, the usual stuff that, well, when I say usual, the usual stuff that we'd look at. But from a client perspective, they actually don't know because they haven't built it. And they have commissioned someone to come in. Um, to do that for them. So they really don't understand the complexities, especially if it's some uh, um, cowboys that go in there from a dev perspective and everything is custom dev. Yeah. So even your forms that they've built is all custom forms sitting inside of a feature. I actually dealt with a client recently that had, I think the number was 43 custom features deployed for workflows. That's, that's a they lot. Built, they built 43 Visual Studio workflows wrapped in features. So there were 43 WSPs doing different things listed by the customer. I'm going, but geez, man, it's a bit excessive. So yeah, be wary when you start looking at moving stuff across. And then, yeah, design, speed, uh, what tool sets are available online. And then last but not least, make sure you buy the right plan um, that you actually go on because you might be hard-assed at the end of the day to go and say, well, shit, we chose the wrong plan. We've run the migration and it's not working. Yeah, the, the planning stage is important. Um, it'll it'll set up the rest of the project for either success or failure. Yeah, yep. Good stuff. I think All we've right. uh, added some value here, Al. Have we covered Have we covered what we needed to cover, Mr. Morgan? I think so. Because, I think um, we, we gave a, a quick dive into 
the considerations for migration and a bunch of the different ideas we might have it. Like we said, we're going to be chatting with Nintech, so we'll um, get some more detail on on this sort of stuff with them, as well as a bunch of other things. Um, yeah, because this is the second time now that we've gone through the show, and the producers were not happy with our show notes that we had to that we used to record on over the weekend and this is why we're redoing the show to make the producers happy and why we're a day late at um, publishing the show yeah those electrodes are like chafing hey brew uh, the, the two gas um, skynet ai guys yes um, yeah uh, like the, big the problem it's like right there like I, I get they need like uh permanent access to my brain waves and stuff but it itches brew uh yeah there's a cream for that rod Uh-oh. anyhow um so all right, so yeah, that's our cap, our recap, and our forward-going uncapped cap on what you need to do when you are considering moving from product version to product version or from platform to platform in the Microsoft space. I think that's it from me, Mr. Modlin. Yeah, that's all from me, Al. So Good chatting where does everyone get us? Yes, guys, you can find us online. Um, our website is twoguysinsharepoint.co.za. Um, we're on Twitter, at twoguyssharepoint. I'm personally on Twitter at Odd Modlin. And, and I'm at Alistair Pugin. Also, don't forget our YouTube channel, Two Guys and SharePoint. One word, Two Guys and SharePoint, and you'll find our YouTube channel. Um, we'll be doing a lot more online soon uh, because apparently uh, our producers have been mentioning something about getting access to a studio in the future. Very exciting time. Stay tuned for that. Thank you for all joining right. us all. We'll see you next week. Cheers, cheers. Ciao.